Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the grant to my bill. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I am feeling ready to go. And our very own Jack. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? Hey, I'll take it. I'm doing great. Yeah? What's your favorite What's your favorite uh, Coke? What's your favorite Coke? <laughs> Is that Mr. Pibb? That... All I asked for was a Mr. Pibb in the cooler. Is it, uh, is it, I don't know. Anyway, no, it's a Mr. Pip. That's, that's it's a Mr. Mr. Pip. Okay, so the Seahawks played a game this week, and finally, finally, we kicked the, we beat the brakes off of someone. We we put them in their place. The, the Seahawks played like a team that was better than another team, something that rarely happens when we, uh, when we watch the Seahawks. The Seahawks often will play down or up to the level of their opponents, regardless of how good the other team is, making the game extremely close. I think I made a, a joke that the score would be 21 to 20 uh, because I wanted Eric to hurt. And then <laughs> I, knew, I, knew he, I knew he would not like that. But, uh, but they, didn't, they didn't do that. They did very close to what Brett was saying in the Discord. They went 31 to 7 for the Seattle Seahawks. Just a, just a full-on thrashing, including... One of my favorite plays now in uh, in Seahawks. This is a lore play. This is like a Seahawks lore play. This is going to be burned into everyone's memory. The onside kick touchdown return. I have never seen one of. I cannot recall seeing that one was of hilarious. These uh, just a ridiculous play. Travis Homer, <laughs> instead of just diving on the onside kick, which is what a normal person would do. Decides to go for the old scoop and score. I I can't imagine that the special teams coach was happy about that, but I I thought it was awesome. Nice so, play, Maze. What was Don't your reaction do it again? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what would, good what, job censoring yourself? Uh, what what do you uh, what you what you think of that play, Eric? What, what was your emotion when uh, Homer took it in for? Uh, for I wasn't six? mad at all. So I was like, wait, you you literally had to go for it on fourth down, Urban Meyer. You. I guess, I guess I was mad the Jaguars scored and then they didn't go for two. So I was like, okay, so he's now he's just being stupid. And they went for the onside kick and it just felt like this is what, this is what you get. F around and find out ja- Jacksonville. <laughs> Jacksonville, you, you try to come back and win in a game that's 24 <laughs> to seven. You have no chance at, and you didn't go for the two point conversion. Like it was. Yeah. Two point conversion, which would have cut it to two scores. Right. So they kept yeah. it a three score game. They were like, oh, yeah, we'll just, just, we'll just to be annoying. Eh. Hey and then guys. they were punished by karma for making a terrible decision it's with a six second drive too, guys. I mean, this, that's, that's what you like to see, right? The old, the old <laughs> classic six, seven second Seahawks drive. True efficiency. Yeah. Well, I loved it. I loved it. It was great. That was like, it's like, it's like burned into my memory, you know, it's like seared into my, into my brain. So uh, we get special teams first uh, and a, a rare, a rare third phase lead off for the Seahawks nest podcast. Uh, but our special teams has looked pretty decent. I I think that we can all agree at this point we're probably paying Jason Myers a little bit uh, too much money comparative to to what he's worth to the team. But uh, the these guys are these guys are elites in the league. Uh, Myers made his field goal in all four of his extra points. Dixon had four punts inside the twenty, along of fifty nine. Uh, looks looked looked real good. I have no 
no qualms with the uh, Seahawks special teams. And uh, yeah, that's uh, Tanner Muse got off the practice squad and got two special teams tackles. So I, you got to love that, right? Yeah. I, uh, yes, I love when somebody else's <laughs> wasted, uh, interesting draft pick ends up on our team and then <laughs> does literally anything interesting. Somebody's scraps. I wonder. I wonder, like, what what our long term plans are for him. Is it just like he's alternate Ben Burkirvan? Like, like a he's the other. He's the he's just different Ben Burkirvan. I I, I kind of feel like that's what what he is. I think it just depends on whether he actually develops the ability to play a position. Maybe he's more like more linebackery uh ryan neal the second coming of michael bulware oh no (laughs) (laughs) oh what if he's lano hill that can actually cover oh oh now we're talking okay you want to hear something crazy about this game so we talked about this we've been talking about this lately is that the seahawks dvoa is not as bad as a as maybe people's uh, heart reaction to the team is right this is a slightly above average football team that's lost a lot of close games so we beat this is how you know jacksonville sucks okay we beat the brakes off of them 30 (laughs) 31 to 7 okay we destroyed them and we went down from 10th in dvoa to 12th so because because it it uh, did not it did not make us look better in the eyes of the uh of the dvoa formula it was like yeah you should do this to jacksonville (laughs) pete walks up to the formula with his hat in his hands he's like we beat them 31 to 7 and dvoa turns to him and goes so you allowed seven huh that's it. Pretty, pretty much they were they were looking for the sh- they were looking for the shutout Which so Pete yeah it's like oh we should have run the ball more it's it, it, it was uh you know passed too much so th- this did help us a lot in the uh, playoff odds calculator though we're now up to a 33.5 percent chance to make the playoffs that's about a 10 percent uh, increase off of last week 15 percent. yeah Ooh. it's pretty pretty good um we we have slightly worse odds in san francisco because our tiebreakers suck i cannot stress this enough we have lost to every team we are we have lost to every team to the vikings and the saints yeah those are those are teams we're going to be competing with for the last playoff spot is like the minnesota and and new or new orleans if they can hold up with Taysom hill we'll see you know they they definitely are gonna gonna struggle on offense so i would take i would take seattle's team over new orleans team right now no question because i we got russ coming back and i i just have a lot of faith in that but man it is a uh, it is tough we're gonna have to come from behind we're gonna have to get some big wins we got the bye week to get ready for uh for green bay right so wait do we this is the bye yes week. we this have a bye is. week this week and green bay the following <laughs> I, I like had this moment of doubt that was like is this the bye week is but okay can we talk about this this speaking of getting ready for things, can we talk about this uh this all these things that Russell's been doing with this pin, taking weird pictures with the pin, pulling the pin out of his hand and taking a picture of it and posting pin pin. Uh, here comes the pin time to win or something. And it's like, I mean, I understand he is desperate for attention. I get it. But like, can, can you not like, ah, man, I just don't like it. I don't like anything that anything that he did with the pin with showing all those surgery pictures and stuff. He, Russ is weird, man. I'm, I'm starting to like, I'm starting to wonder, like, what goes through his head when he he decides to send that tweet? When he's like, "Yeah, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna send everyone a picture of like this thing sticking out of my hand." It's like no one, no one's trying to see that, dude. Like, put more put more weird diaper ads from your Walmart diaper partnership up. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so tell me like to eat the episode. tell me to eat the ball. Tell me to eat the ball. Okay. Here, here's a terribly uh, narrow reference for anyone who gets it. So it's like that episode of Rocco's Modern Life where he uh, gets his pancreas out and he has the daydream where uh, he goes all these different places with his pancreas. And so that's 
Russ was taking the pin to him different places. It was his way of gaining acceptance and control over the surgery. He went and took it out with him. He bonded with his pin. He's made that, sure that him and his pin I were think cool moving forward. That mental coach that passed, rest in peace, might have stopped him from doing all of this. So maybe we, <laughs> we need to find him a new, about it. <laughs> we need to we need to find a, a new mental coach for Russ or something. Neutral yeah. mindset, neutral mindset, Russ. I don't think neutral mindset is showing me that uh that pin sticking out of your hand. I don't know. I, no, I nominate Marshawn as his uh, mental coach. This is a this is enough pin based content. I think Eric, would you agree? <laughs> Eric's Eric's dead. He's like. He's like, I left because that sound you heard earlier was Eric's microphone clubbing him over the head repeatedly. All right, let's go to let us go to uh, offensive stars. Uh, Kevin, who is your offensive stud in this game? Oh man, uh, I think man, I, I think I my know. offensive stud in this game has to be DK. Okay, and Why? it's DK because uh, I felt like. This is one of those games where I mean, he's a physical monster, but we know he uses his speed more than anything else at the catch point. This was a game where he had a, a couple of catches, but specifically the touchdown catch where he just bodied a dude and mossed him in the face. Like that's something if if DK can really harness that part of his games where he's making a hands catch while just bodying a DB. I just feel like that means there's basically nothing he isn't doing that. That catch where he went over on the touchdown, it was just such a, it was such like a. Is that against Shaquille? I thought it was against Shaquille. I, I can look. Let me, let me see. I got, I got, I got receiving versus coverage. That's something I have. DK Metcalf got two touchdowns, both over Shaquille. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just, it was a, Shaquille is not an easy out. We know that from him being on the Seahawks to just go over him like that. Now, the thing Shaquille is bad at is getting his head around. And boy, did he not get his head around <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was like, a little whoops. It was like watching. It was like, man, I know all about that. I've seen this Shaquille Griffin <laughs> play before. This is one I know. I love Shaquille and Shaquem, though. It was good to see them at the game on the field and stuff. It It's good. And I'm, I'm you know, if, I only would have been bitter about it if the Seahawks would have lost. And well, we kicked the crap out of them. So uh, my, 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 my set has to be Tyler Lockett. Wow. 12 catches for 142 yards, 13 on 13 targets. Um, actually played quite a bit in the slot, played 16 snaps in the slot. Uh, I thought looked, looked really good. Um, is it's going to be interesting to see how his usage continues to evolve as D Eskridge comes back and stuff like that. If he's going to play 57% of his snaps in the slot, he's obviously displacing, uh, that's D Eskridge is come back, going to come back and displace some of those snaps. Right. And the question becomes, does Tyler um, play out wide more or does he split the slot snaps 50, 50 with D and, you know, DK and Gerald Everett and whoever else is uh, in the slot kind well, of starts and D to can play outside. That's one of the nice things. And we're far enough into the season. Like, you know, he hasn't been taking a lot of physical reps, but we do have the bye week for some of that. But you know they've had D. Eskridge learning the playbook better, kind of gaining, like, he's been working on probably everything he can. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little more able to handle some of that outside work. All right, I got a constructive criticism for the offense. Um, Gerald Everett jet sweep. I'm I'm good. Let's, <laughs> no, no, no more of the Gerald Everett uh, jet sweep. I'm kind of... Um, the Jeverett sweep? I'm kind of a over that one, so I I could I think I could I could do without it. So yeah, um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break and then come back. All right, we finally got Eric back. Eric, who is your offensive hero? Hey, good to be back. Um, besides Russell Wilson's pin, 
our, our <laughs> you yeah you missed all the the pin content. Sorry. I was I was like, I I like here because I, just... I was waiting for you to say hey, uh, long time podcaster, first time caller. Uh, <laughs> never called him before. Ben from Mitch in the Mall. Um, <laughs> uh, Tyler uh, Lockett, man, Tyler Lockett, T- is Tyler last... Lockett trivia. <laughs> Russell Wilson's finger pin trivia. Pin trivia. Uh, no, it was nice to have our, our old friend Tyler Lockett back in the fold as a, as a contributing member of this team, not just running routes, uh, not just, you know, kind of being hey, ignored by Geno Smith. Eric, are you are you all done with Gerald Everett jet sweeps as well? I just wanted to make sure that we're on the same page for this. <laughs> when I was trying to fix my mic, I was like, oh, yeah, I hate that place so much. Uh, uh, can I also please uh, officially change the name to Jeverett sweeps? Okay. Uh, and then I know Alex Collins is recovering from an injury, but I would appreciate it if he would get 100% of the running back carries when when he's able to play because, man, uh, those Penny carries and Homer carries. Penny had like one good carry and uh, seven or six bad ones. Yeah, and they uh, were all on the goal line when we shouldn't have been doing it anyway. Yeah, man, the, but yes. the fact that we reloaded so many times with Penny and he didn't do anything, I'm <laughs> I'm just looking forward to shipping him to another team and watching him do well. So 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 far this year, uh, he is averaging 1.07 yards after contact per attempt. That on seems his, bad on his 15 rush attempts. That is really bad. Now the thing about Penny always is he just will he'll just bust off some 60 yard run eventually. That makes that stat look good. But man, it has been a tough sledding for him so I mean, far this he's, year. He's done that before, but I don't know if I expect that from him. That's a Sean Alexander thing. Too much. Too many leg injuries. What do you think? I. Just accumulation. I, th- I think it's a lot of injuries and a lot of he probably didn't ever fit here in the first place. I th- the thing about him is he re- his game kind of reminds me of Aaron Jones, where you have to run just like outside zone and like yep. these same kind of these same kind of play concepts all the time. And the Seahawks just don't do that. They're basically trying to jam a square peg into a round pole that round hole. And the one time we did run out time outside zone was like the, the play that was good. Yeah, that was his you know, one like five or six yard run. Yeah. But then anytime he like runs between the tackles, I think it was Joel who said in the Discord, like he's he has to work so hard to get like one yard. Yep. And then and then it's like, yeah, cool. He got hit at the goal line or he got hit at the line of scrimmage and then he ran around like ten yards and got one yard. He's well, that's man. The thing. If you play happen. him and Alex Collins off of each other correctly, then you have basically an inside and outside guy. I felt like that was kind of a mismanagement of the two players. And um, I got to I got to double up a, once again. I already did Tyler Lockett as my my man of the week too, Eric. But the Tyler Lockett thing that impressed me the most was that it did not. They changed who was covering him a lot in the slot, and he just punked all of them. Didn't matter if they followed him with Tyson Campbell, Rayshon Jenkins, Rudy Ford, Miles Jack, like Damian Wilson. He killed all of those guys. It was just classic Tyler Lockett. Twelve receptions over 140 yards. Six six just, first downs. Just like, beautiful. Yeah. Just just great. Exactly. Great old school Tyler Lockett stuff for sure. And Gino, Gino, uh, I think he 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 had a really efficient game, serviceable backup. One thing that I'll tell you is that when kept clean, he was 18 for 18 for 163 yards and two touchdowns. When he was under pressure, he had 10 dropbacks, six pass attempts, two completions. He was terrible. I think it just goes to show like what we've been talking about. Geno Smith it could probably be as a really good NFL quarterback if we had an elite offensive line. If we had an elite offensive line for him to just stand behind and kind of pick the defense apart, but we don't have that. We have a average offensive line, I would say, pretty average. And whenever he gets pressured, it's it's bad news. He was yeah. he's been terrible under pressure the whole season. That yeah, he's Geno just never has a quick time to throw. 
And yeah. so, uh, like the one game where he had a, a really fast time to throw under like 2.6 seconds, um, his average up target was like four yards, which is kind of unsustainable. And otherwise, he's been in the high twos uh, over three seconds on time to throw and his average depth of target goes up, but it doesn't really matter when he's like running for his life. So there's like a kind of a sweet spot where he's between like where he's right around like 2.75 seconds for time to throw and he can get like up over about eight yards. Um, he's just, he's really attempt. bad. He's really bad when he's knocked off his spot too. Like mm-hmm. when he's on the move, he's just yeah. not good anymore. And so no, he should just run it every time because that's going to be the best should, possible. outcome. His thing he should do is just stay in the pocket, climb the pocket, try to run through the middle. Like a lot of quarterbacks try to do. Or just throw it away. Like there, there's not, there's not a lot of. I don't think Geno Smith is the the turn turn around and run to the outside guy like Russ. He tried to do that some, and it's just that's not his game. He's not. He sure thinks he's that guy. <laughs> he ain't. He he ain't it when it comes to that. All right, the the offense looked great, but the defense looked pretty decent too. And uh, Eric, who, you get to go first on this one because you were uh, you know so so uh, disconnected. Out. Yeah. Who was I, your who was your defensive hero in this game? I was really hoping you'd go with someone else so I could just repeat what they said. Oh. <laughs> we, had, we had 30 pressures in this game we had 17 run stops like this defense was killing it so you got a lot of choices here you know i i think i know but i also kind of want to go cornerback i'm gonna go ahead and give it to daryl taylor this is a guy who's uh more or less our rookie um we had a bunch of pressures in this game uh what i think 20 21 was it 30, 30 pressures 30 pr- 30 pressures total all right yeah. very well I'll four, take it. four by daryl four, four by daryl daryl taylor too four by daryl taylor and uh he actually was the uh you know the guy who got two hits on him uh this is a guy that we need to become a big player for us he's young we need consistency from him and i'd like to give him my defensive player of the game okay what do you think who's your defensive stud in this one I think there's a few different choices we can make, but I'm going to go ahead and take the obvious one. I'm taking Quandre. We should have paid him in the offseason digs. <laughs> uh, he had an interception. He had a pass broken up. Um, he helped out quite a bit when DJ Reed went down. He was able to help out Sidney Jones, who was playing solid. But I think that uh, like Quandre was able. Quandre's been helping out the rookie. He's been helping out the guy who's been playing kind of on the offside. Uh, I feel like he's just doing a lot in the defensive backfield to help hold things together. And this is one of those games where a lot of times what he's doing doesn't show as well. This time it showed really well because he made a, you know, he, he made a turnover uh, all by himself. All right. I'm going to go uh, with a guy with Swiss army knife himself. The guy everyone thinks sucks. Jamal Adams. Uh, Jamal Adams played. What one thing I like is that the C- that Seahawks did in this game is they mixed cover cover two and cover three. We had 32 safety snaps for Jamal Adams playing a high safety. Uh, Quandre basically dropped dropped back to play high safety on every play but one. So yep. so 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 basically every time Jamal Adams dropped back, we played cover two, and then the other snaps where he did not, we played uh, cover three, or uh, or cover one or like a naked look. The the he almost played 20 times in the box. He played 18 times from the slot. He played three and an outside corner alignment and three along the defensive line. He was able to get six run stops close to the line of scrimmage, which is absurd from that position. Uh, he led the team. Uh, Amadi had two. Monet had two. Wagner had two. Good play on a couple of those screens, too. And he looked yeah. real good. And then seven tackles, which was uh, good for second on the team. And I just have to say, I said earlier in the season, you know, Bobby Wagner's on a crazy tackle pace. It's going to be hard to keep this up, but. Holy crap, so far so good. Another eight tackles for Bobby. 
uh, he maybe will be able to keep it up. It's it's hard. He did have a two game, you know, like it's it's hard to just keep getting a million tackles. But man, he is just crushing it. So Bobby Wagner is he's not he has not lost a single step. He's looked really good. I, I, like I said before, I think oftentimes his coverage stats are skewed because the scheme hurts him, not because of anything that he's doing wrong. And uh, I think that's bearing out so far. Uh, really good performance overall from the defense. Uh, other standouts, I think Carlos Dunlap with the six pressures, uh, kind of a, a renaissance yeah. performance for him. I mean, this is this is a good example. This game is a good example of why we often say stuff like, you know, sacks are good, but pressures are are almost as good because this team created a ton of pressures and it did it really affected, um, uh, really affected Trevor Lawrence when he was kept clean. When he was not pressured, he went 24 for 35. He completed 68% of his passes. Now, only 185 yards. He was not having much success. That's 5.3 yards per attempt. So he was, you know, not completing long passes, but he was completing passes, right? When he was under pressure, 19 attempts, 8 completions, 53 yards, 2.8 yards per attempt. Trevor Lawrence got destroyed when he was under pressure. And we, we were able to create quite a lot of pressures. 22 times he dropped back. He was... He was like you said, Eric. That, that he was twenty-two plays where he was pressured in this game. Just a an insane performance by the Seahawks. Just a really great defensive performance. And I'm I'm I don't know. I'm excited. The, the direction of this defense, the arrow is pointing up. Russ is coming back. The arrow is pointing up. We're three and five. It's not the situation you want to be in. If Russ was here the whole time, I would say with absolute certainty we're four, at least four and four, maybe even five and three. Uh, and and so that's tough. That's tough to just you can't in a short season. But we're at the halfway point. Actually, there is no halfway point anymore because it's 17 games and the NFL is weird. <laughs> they wanted to make all the records ugly. But there's no reason, we'll talk about this in a second, why this team can't can't climb its way back into the playoff race. So what what uh any any other defensive or offensive notes before we uh, get into our, uh, our our kind of big topic right here? Yeah, I think something that's um, interesting just to kind of hit back on the DBs again because we can all agree the front four drastically affected this game. Um, we know that Urban Meyer wants to run the ball. We know that getting pressure on a rookie quarterback is a big deal. And the front four did an excellent job of that. But I felt like the secondary, what? when they were matched up against what is I, not an elite. I actually have a question for you, well. Kevin. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Kevin, about Urban Meyer. Why is he running this offense? Um, it's It does not look like I would expect the Urban Meyer offense to look. It it's I don't know. It just feels it feels so stagnant. Bland, yeah. I was gonna say it just doesn't feel. It's all like short passes and and lame runs and stuff. And it's like they his offenses have done dynamic things in the past, and I don't understand exactly. What, I think is it because is it because he has is because he has Bevel as his offensive coordinator? I think one of them is uh, <laughs> that he tried to surround himself with like veterany coaches. And that does have part of a role to do with it. I think another thing is that Urban Meyer hasn't really been an X's and O's guy. Um, you know, when he came in and interviewed for the Jacksonville job, he talked about culture, which is now especially laughable when he's grabbing 20 year olds butts. Um, and the, the, the final piece of it is I feel like Urban Meyer is getting exposed a bit as the guy who like he had, like when he was being super innovative in Florida, he had a uh, Dan Mullen as his assistant coach. It, that yeah. was, that's who was running the offense. Like I think he's being exposed a little bit as, um, and the other thing is like, oh, have your quarterback do some running, use the RPO. Well, now that's standard. So 
in college, he just had way more talent than everybody else at Ohio State. And it turns out that when your players are way better than everyone else's players, it's uh, it's easier to win. Here's the thing is like it that bugs me. OK, is that when he was in Utah, I've read the Utah, the, I've read his Utah playbook. Like yeah. I actually went through and read it. And so like he would he was doing things that are very popular by the good coaches in the NFL right now. He always running 11 personnel, playing in the shotgun, doing lots of of option looks out of the shotgun. Like these are all things that lots of people do. Why does his offense not look like that? Like it it drives me crazy. I, I'm I like can't handle he is terrible. He he does not have any idea what he's doing. And I think maybe because I read that Utah playbook, it gave me like a level of um of faith that he would, you know, not be an idiot. And you're right. He hired like all the wrong guys to try to like give himself, you know, like NFL credibility as opposed to being a college guy. And it's it, it really shows for sure. All right. Anyway, get get back to what it, I interrupted. I'm sorry, but like you're I interrupted with a question because I was just curious what you thought, but uh, sorry, now you've got me looking up who his offensive coordinator was at Utah. Wasn't and it uh, Willie, uh, Utah? No, Utah. Willingham was his defensive coordinator. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 you're right. It was, um, let's see, Utah Utes 2004 football team. There, Whit- uh, Whittingham was the defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and Mike, Mike Sanford was his offensive coordinator. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. so... It's not like Sanford. Uh, Mike Sanford, who went on to become an extremely unsuccessful college head coach. Yeah, uh, he was he was really bad at UNLV for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so. Anyway, uh, yeah, I would just say uh, in general, I thought Ugo Amadi uh, was really able to find his stride. Um, I think not splitting time with Blair has been a benefit. I feel like Ryan Neal is really good at covering running backs that are not named Alvin Kamara. 65 snaps in the nickel, Kevin. I was just, I was like, oh, a, that nickel was, like was a, so big. Such a big pig, nickel. I was like a pig in, you know what? Yeah, that, that was good. <laughs> good times. All right. Um, so, yeah, I just think that uh, in general, if this is the level of defensive back play that we're going to be getting the rest of the season, if the DJ Reed injury ends up not being like a bad one, um, this is a secondary that we can win with. Like, even Sidney Jones didn't look that bad. Like, I thought. He was serviceable. You I know, feel like if Sidney Jones did, doesn't look bad, though, that might tell us a little bit more about the uh, about the Jaguars. Well, okay, let, let's look at who he was covering. Then tell let's, us about the Jaguars. Let's look at let's look at <laughs> let's look at who who was uh, who was Sidney Jones covering. He gave up his. So I'm I'm doing receiving versus coverage. I should do coverage versus receiving. That's what a smart that's what a smart person would click. Okay, he covered. He gave up uh, receptions to Marvin. He was covering Marvin Jones. Do you have two receptions? Uh, Tavon Austin. That's I caught Marvin that, Jones at the Emerald Queen Casino that night. Uh, Carlos Hyde and uh, he opened for Keith Sweat. Jamal Agnew, who uh, Jamal Agnew, interesting former defensive uh, back, right? I I kind of like the whole Jamal Agnew thing. I like how they're just like, yeah, Tavon Austin sucks. Let's give a lot of those looks to Jamal Agnew instead. <laughs> instead. Yeah, because uh, anyway. he didn't suck. Ooh, never any, mind. <laughs> any, anyway, wow. Yeah, uh, just so. You, By the okay, way, that so, Tavon Austin interception, the, the Diggs interception should have gone to Tavon Austin because that dude can't run around to save his life. Is Sydney so Sydney it's Jones? I, he does kind of look like Trey Flowers plus. Like he's yep. like Trey Flowers who who is slightly better. Trey but, Flowers who's willing to play like within the general range of his receiver. Yeah. Yes. So, so does that make him Deshaun Shed? Hmm, that's actually maybe a good comparison. I like that. Deshaun Shed. Yeah. Okay. If he's Deshaun Shed, that's fine. I mean, we can get by with Deshaun Shed. Well, yeah, if Deshaun Shed is your backup corner, that's not a bad place to be at all. We'll, we'll have to ask Seahawks coach Deshaun Shed. Hopefully DJ Reed is back, <laughs> but you're right. It, they, they say it's a minor injury. Um, 
They which means his leg might have fallen apart. He's, he's expect no. The MRI showed no damage to his groin. They do expect him to be ready after the bye. Like it, it it's positive for DJ Reed so far. And news. having him back is big because him and Trey Brown, like the fact of the matter is we get more pressure with the two of them on the field because the two of them are willing to get up in a receiver's face and mm-hmm. mug them. Yeah. Trey, Trey Brown is not scared of anyone. Nope. Just, just, uh, just totally. I just love watching him play so much, man. He is just not, not a, and like we said, like we said during, during after we drafted him and he's like, I have seen a lot of Trey Brown because he's the guy who's played against every single good wide receiver in college. There's nothing he should be afraid of. He's played against guys who are tougher than Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chanel. Like he, he was punkin'. J- Jamar Chase in college, right? This is this right. Is this is the dude who is playing against like if like name a top receiver that was drafted in the last like four or five years. Trey Brown played that guy. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So it's <laughs> just it's just awesome. So all right, uh, let's get let's get in it. So the secondary looks improved. The the pass rush looks improved. It's just it's all clicking for starting to click for the Seahawks defense. And Ken Norton Jr. didn't even need another accountability meeting. Okay, what about that, guys? So what we're gonna do is leading into the bye week. It's nice to take a take a wide lens. We have three wins right now. We're three and five. We probably need nine or ten wins for the uh, for the playoffs. I would say ten is more likely considering our tiebreaker situation. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look and see uh, what we think we're going to do so are coming out of the bye the seahawks are going to head to a place that's tough to get a win for the seahawks that is lambeau field the the seahawks will be playing tundra. in the frozen tundra at packers so eric starting with you every time you're gonna to have to lead us off what do you think the seahawks are, do you think seahawks can get a dub here at packers okay so going back to two weeks ago where i got i got pretty solemn with the seahawks and i said we're not making the playoffs uh, i really want to be proven wrong i don't know if russ is playing this game I'm going to say he does not, and we are not going to win this game. This is a loss. All right. What do you think? What do you think, uh, Kevin? So I think that um, Green Bay is going to be a really interesting test here because I do think Russ plays. I also think Chris Carson plays, and I think both of those are really important. So um, I think that Green Bay can put up some points on us. It just seems like they kind of have our number. Like if Devontae Adams is playing, then they're going to complete some passes and they're going to score on us. So I do worry about that. So it comes down to, can our offense hold its own against them? And when I look at this team, I see Jair Alexander and then a lot of questions when it comes to um, the cornerback position. And so I don't think they'll be able to cover both of our corners. I don't think they or both of our receivers. I think that Lockett or DK or both could end up having themselves a day. And if that ends up being the case, then I think we might be able to put out enough to win. And I do consider this to be a must win for us. So I have us winning and I have kind of our season outcome hinging on that. So for me, I think that I need to know the weather. If the weather is good, we got a shot. Like we got a real shot to win this game because I think our offense is good enough to pace them and our defense is slightly better than theirs. If the weather is bad, Russ in bad weather is bad. So for now I'm penciling in a win, but it's like a half win because honestly this game, I'm 100% going to decide who I think is going to win based on the expected weather. If it's snowing or even raining, uh, we lose, we lose. But if it's, if the weather's nice and we we can just get like a normal weather game uh, and yeah, I like the Seahawks in this one. All right. At home versus Cardinals, Eric. 
Home, Cardinals. This is where Russell does play. If he doesn't play the week before, but he'll definitely play here. This is a win for us, and it has to be a win for us, not only to be in the playoff hunt, but to salvage any hint of anything in the season. We don't really have many games left against good teams. Green Bay is one, Arizona is another, and then we have the schedule of just hopefully milk toast teams. This is a must win for so many reasons. The Cardinals are are struggling in so many ways. Uh, they just lost J.J. Watt. This is a big win for us. I I think the Cardinals are kind of falling apart. Uh, yeah. They got off to a really hot start, but injuries are catching up with them. I don't think I don't think they were a very deep roster to begin with, and it was kind of you know they were counting on a bunch of players who are kind of injury prone. And so I, I, yeah, I think we win this one, Kevin. Uh, I do think that we win this one, but I kind of always just pencil us in to split the home and away games with our division rivals. I kind of am going to, I will see, I will see where we're at in the last, going into the last week. Okay. At Washington football team, Eric, Washington football team. Speaking of teams that are falling apart, <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor, poor Ron they, Rivera. They almost tried to trade for Mitch Trubisky. That's how bad it's getting for Dodge Washington football team. Yeah. Also, I don't, I don't know if anybody heard this, but the rats in the Popeyes in Washington, <laughs> D.C. Uh, no, this is, a, this is a win for us, and frankly, it should be a steamroll win. Yeah, I, I agree. Football teams football teams should be a, should be a dub. Kevin? Uh, yeah, if we don't beat the football team who can't cover anybody, um, that's, a real, that, that's an indictment in the team. I think that we win that one. All right, versus 49ers. Eric, what do you think? There's no way with the way the 49ers are playing – and a healthy Russell Wilson that we should lose this game. So yes, this is another win. We're I think home. this is the we already beat is, him the first time. Go yeah. ahead. No, this is the week we put the nail in Jimmy G's coffin. Yeah, well, I think I think this is the last week Jimmy G is a starter in the. In the is National it the Football is League. it a nail to hold up his gold jacket because? <laughs> <laughs> because I I might with you, Eric. Like, there's just no way Russ loses to him, and also I just think. That's that's kind of it seems like an infl- a turning point for both team seasons, like where we kind of overtake the 40. The 49ers are going to be winning a couple games. Their schedule kind of lines up and then we're going to be winning a couple games. And it's going to be like we overtake them in this game. I agree. We kind of kind of push past them. Kevin, do you agree? I agree with that narrative. All right. Uh, at Texans. I think we're just going to put win for that. I don't think we need to talk about Texans it. The Texans suck. Texans suck. They already won some games, so they're they don't need they're not going to feel the need to win at Rams. Eric, is there any chance here? Okay, I have six losses on the schedule right now. This is number seven. I don't see us. I don't even know if we compete in this game because I don't know what the Seahawks team is going to look like. And the Rams are ready. The Rams mm-hmm. are ready. Yeah. So uh, we got versus Bears. Wait. Oh, wait. Oh, I, I think that we're going to lose to the Rams because they just traded for Von Miller and that's Von Miller and Aaron Donald on the same team. This is a, this is kind of a juggernaut. I, I don't want to play them unless like hopefully Stafford hurts his back or something because then, <laughs> then we can beat him. But, but, and then he gets hurts his back every other season, but he's not on the lions anymore. So it's kind of, you know, okay, Kevin, what do you think? Russell Wilson pin revenge game. Oh gosh. Wow. You're, gonna, you're putting a dub. Right. I'm putting a dub on this one. And right. here's why. Uh, yes, their defensive line is bolstered. We played them. We gave them everything they could handle on the Thursday night game. And that was with Russell Wilson going out. Uh, if we have Russell Wilson, we have our, I think our defense is better now than it was when we faced them last time. And so if there's this improved with Vaughn Miller, 
who, again, their defense is relying on a very small number of people, some of which are starting to age. I think that there's a decent chance their defense is a little dinged up and we could be able to overcome that on uh, week 15. All right. And uh, let's go ahead to versus bears. I already put a win for everyone. Does anyone think we're going to lose to the bears? God, I hope not. No, (laughs) there's no way. How about, how about the lions? No, this is even more of a slam dunk. We have so many kneecaps. They can't eat them all. All right, so going into the last week, okay, Eric, you have the Seahawks at nine and five or nine and six. I have nine the Seahawks seven, at nine and seven. Oh yeah, the nine Rams. and seven. Right, this is yeah. the, there's your normal records, right? So you have this is normal records. So you have nine. You have the coming in last week. You have them coming in last week at nine and seven. I have them at ten and six, and Kevin, you have them at eleven and five, ripping off a win in every single game. Uh, and then uh, Cardinals at Cardinals, Eric, you're gonna say L for this one. I'm saying L only because, like Kevin said, you know, switching games with with our Arizona. division rivals, I feel like we should, of all the games we should have won this year, we definitely should have won that Rams game. I think this game is really winnable, but right now it's a coin flip, and I just don't feel like saying win because I'm I'm being really confident in the season. Look at look at all the games I've picked for us guys. <laughs> where, yeah. where I was last <laughs> week, I mean. I'm, I mean, they're they're sorry, going to they're going to try to make the playoffs like one hundred percent. Like, so you're right; they're going to play it to the bitter end. And nine and eight might get you in the playoffs, right? Who knows? But I'm, yeah. I have it a loss. Kevin, uh, I I have it as a win, but I switched my other Cardinals game to a loss because I do think it's very likely we split. And I'm just uh, maybe it, we're gonna yeah. I'll maybe I'll put this one as a loss. It doesn't really matter. We're gonna split with the Cardinals. I I think that it's it's hard. It's a big ask to to get two wins against the Cardinals. Kevin, do you agree? Is it too big of an ask? Yeah, I feel like we're going to end up with kicking shenanigans in Phoenix because that's what always friggin' happens, and it's going to end up leading to a loss. Okay, so we have uh, Eric at nine and eight, me at ten and seven, and Kevin at eleven and six. And I think if you look at the schedule, uh, we average out to ten wins, right? And ten wins is not super unreasonable considering the schedule. That would be a split against the Cardinals and beating one of the Packers and Rams, right? And that is such a sphincter clinch considering so, their tiebreakers. So yes. you need to go ten and seven. I think is is a is going to slam dunk to make the playoffs with the seventeen playoffs. So you need to you need, what we need to do is basically beat all the bad teams. Not a given considering the way the Seahawks played some years. Um, we need to beat all the bad teams, and we need to go two and two against the good teams. So that's what you're looking at. So if the Seahawks lose the next two weeks to the Packers and Cardinals, the season still isn't over. They the schedule sets it, up. It could feel over. <laughs> it just yes. it, the schedule sets up for them to rip off a bunch of wins more than it's ever season. felt before this season. And the biggest games left are you know at Rams at Packers. They taking one of those two would be huge, just huge. Like the I team feel like would, we have to take one of those two. Yeah, it would be so big if the team took one of those two. So yeah, if we right. don't take one of those two, we basically have to sweep the Cardinals. Yeah. Yes, we have to sweep the Cardinals, which maybe the Cardinals are like in position where they can't improve their playoff spot in the last week. And we get we get the kind of the the, the sketchy free win. You know what? You know what free win we get this week, no matter what? Uh, uh, we get the win of they're doing well enough that Cliff Kingsbury doesn't get fired. Yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's true. That, that's a dub. Cliff Kingsbury has probably bought himself another season, which is great because yeah, they, they is that, okay. that puts a cap on it. <laughs> There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to only12s.com and click 
uh, anywhere for as little as $1.24 a month. Get access to the Picks Podcast. It's a hoot and a holler. Thank you to the new Patreon. Do it all for the Tucci. And uh, hmm. I knew, I knew hmm. you guys would like that. And then uh, and th- thank you to uh, Washington Fish Quest on YouTube. Make sure to watch Washington Fish Quest on YouTube because uh, they're the first and only uh, banner sponsor ever. So I will continue to plug them in this in this uh, segment until someone else gives me money to pl- to plug something else. And you guys saw the quality, the top quality effort I made to to weave narrative and uh, <laughs> and uh, and podcast live reading together. So you know, give me the money. Lebowski. You want us to watch? You want us to watch your uh, YouTube videos and talk about them? We will. You want us to make yeah. fun of your friend and fantasy football? We'll do we that will. too. Yeah. You want us to discuss shaving Eric's junk? We'll do that too. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, dear. I would do that. Try hard. Try harder, Manscaped. All right. For thank you to the (laughs) thank you to Patreons, new and old Andy, Brett, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Flocktimus, Foles, Jay, Karen, Leon, Michelle, Mike and Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon and Nick. All right. Our movie this week is a movie Kevin rewatched for Spooky Month. And I was like, I love that movie. So I wanted to talk about it as well. I've watched it within the last six months. It is the 2006 James Gunn uh, kind of breakout. He had directed things before this. Uh, Tromeo well, and Juliet. <laughs> yeah. That's but, but so crazy. We're not going to. But it's really his breakout. It's Slither. Uh, so they're starring Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, Michael Rooker, and Greg Henry in a great turn as the character. He's a character actor, and he has his great turn as the mayor in this movie. Holy smokes! Oh, dude, his his <laughs> intro scene <laughs> when he curses out the dude for uh, uh, loading and unloading in the right lane, and then like uh, the the lady sitting there with her kid, and she's like, "Hello, mayor," and he turns and like puts on like the mayor smile, and you're like, "Oh God, that's yeah. who this guy is." <laughs> It's it's movie is one thing I like about this movie is it's a great take on just body horror in general, a genre which I think is uh, it's easy to do uh, like a six out of ten, you know, like a like a solid B B minus uh, effort, a C, a C effort in a body horror movie. But getting to A is really difficult. And man, they they really got there in this movie. Uh, these are basically slugs that take over your body cool cool alien invasion movie and uh michael rooker in this movie as the like abusive boyfriend slash a guy who's slash rich guy slash like he might have been an okay guy but we don't know because he was like possessed very early yes he was possessed by aliens very early in the movie i like to think he was not a good guy because he's just it's Michael Rooker. He doesn't usually play. He wasn't a good guy, characters. but he might not have been the worst guy. That's... He wasn't a good guy. He wasn't a bad guy. He, he was, was ornery. Just, he, he was, was just a guy. Just yeah. <laughs> but uh, Michael Rooker, uh, number one, Michael Rooker's voice uh, makes everything better. Yes, it does. And so picking Michael Rooker to be the character, um, spoilers on a 15-year-old movie, deal with it, everybody. Um, when they get the hive mind, and so everyone is talking like Michael Rooker, what about when Michael uh, Rooker goes? I like Michael Rooker when he goes into the fridge and he's just pulling all the meat out of meat. the fridge and he's goes, <laughs> meat. <laughs> I don't know why. Every time like, I'm just like, oh my gosh. You know what suddenly cracked me up was every time he would dramatically put his glasses on. 
Yeah. It was just this weird thing where like it looked like a little personal ritual where he'd like, gonna get out my glasses so I can what about what this is. <laughs> what about the way when they when the police come to his house, come to Elizabeth Fink's house to save her, and he's got like the the weird tentacle arm and the way he just runs away <laughs> and his tentacle arm is just like slapping into everything and stuff. <laughs> like this movie has like a sense of humor about what is happening that is really hard to maintain, but somehow they maintain it through the the whole film. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I feel like what makes it even harder is, I mean, okay, so uh, what is the subtext of a body snatcher movie? Uh, it's always two things, right? Uh, one is uh, mental illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, your personality is not your own. And the other one, especially when they bring in the body horror element, is always rape. Mm-hmm. And this movie is so overt about the sexualization of the possession that it should be like awkward to the point where it's like hard to watch. And instead it's like so over the top disgusting and all the characters seem to be completely in on the joke that it makes it even funnier. Like it, it, it feels like it basically crosses the line so far that it becomes funny again. I would, I would go and say that only because, you know, with, with James Gunn, uh, I don't, I don't see if there's any other way. What and then another thing too is that like this movie takes things that like Kevin said you should not be laughing at like when like when she takes the bottom of that stop sign and she's just like killing that that guy <laughs> and, and she's just she's just stabbing him and kicking him in the head and stuff and then the mayor just looks over and he's like that bitch is hardcore <laughs> like, like that they, they take things that you shouldn't be laughing at and make them funny which I think like is is Was what makes deputy turn that looks like something that fell off my dick during the war <laughs> <laughs> what about when elizabeth Banks shoots the cop like that that's not funny but it was very funny it yeah was. They, they they the way they present everything they like i said they string this comedy element through this movie by just putting like just the right amount of like fun and banter into the film and like it just it wor- it really works um and it that- plays its genre really well like yeah, just he, as like a as like a seventies body horror body snatcher sci fi movie, it totally works. But then it has the parody elements. Yeah, and I think like Gun does a good job of making like like things that that are really off color. People shouldn't be say feel really natural, right? Like it does. Mm-hmm. None of these characters feel like they're really out of place or they're trying too hard to be edgy. You know what I mean? They all feel like like real people, and then the conversation feels natural. That I I don't know. It's just it's it's so good. And Elizabeth Banks is really good in this movie. Like I cannot stress like she really crushes it. And like the all a lot of the acting is good, but she is just like really really killing it. So. This is before she was you know she's a director now, and before her star really kind of shot up. This was around the time like Forty Year Old Virgin came out. She was just kind of there in a few movies. She, she's really good in a lot of things she does, and she was great here. Yeah, she had she had not had a huge like starring role yet. Now she's she's absolutely a star for sure. So I I um yeah I really enjoy this this movie. I think it, you should watch it. No, watch, I want to rewatch it. Watch this movie. It's fun. It's a blast. And I would love to hear people's like reactions to it in the Discord. Just don't watch it while you're eating. You don't watch while you're eating, and fact, if yeah. you if you're if you're a person who like 
doesn't like the off-color humor, or you're not going to be able to laugh when someone's getting stabbed in the neck by a bottom of a stop sign, then then you're not going to like this movie. You could you can skip it. But like it's if you if you can like kind of see the humor in the in the ridiculous situations like that and that trauma level violence can you can still kind of laugh through it then yeah, I say go for it. This is an awesome. This is an awesome movie to watch. Yeah, and it's it's under 100 minutes, which is always good. Oh, it's super short. Easy, easy breezy, lemon squeezy for sure. All right, that's it. That's all we got for you today. So for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Uh, go Hawks. 